Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. Money FM 89.3, it's now time for Market View. I'm Elliot Danker together with Cha Tian Tian. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some key market movements. In particular, we'll uh, turn our attention to some uh, real estate investments. Uh, but before that, of course, <laughs> let's uh, get a recap of how we started the day. That's right. So, Elliot, uh, Singapore shares dipped slightly today as global markets continued reacting to the latest U.S. Federal Reserve interest rate hike mm. and also the rate hike by the European Central Bank. So, in early trade, the Straits Times Index was down 0.1% to 3,267 points. Some 33 million securities were traded in the broader market then. Now, after the closing numbers, the STI closed down 0.08%. We are looking at 3,200. Points. In terms of value turnover, that's 817 million Sing dollars. Now, gainers outnumbered losers, though, 285 versus 265. Top advances for today GMH USD, New Incorporation USD, and Jardin Cycle and Carriage. Top decliners, DBS, Hopa and Creative. Now, in terms of companies to watch today, you mentioned about REITs. We have OUE Commercial REIT uh, because its manager announced yesterday a net property income of some $56 million for the first quarter of 2023, an increase of 18% from the same period last year. Now, elsewhere, investors laser-focused on the regional banking sector, especially in the U.S. Now, more notably in the U.S., of PacWest plunged 50.6% in the previous session. Now, the bank had confirmed an earlier Reuters report that it was exploring strategic options, including a potential sale or capital raise. So lots to watch today. And joining us on a Friday as we break down all the key market movements is Benjamin Goh, Head of Research and Investor Education at SIAS. Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, hi guys. Hey, so Ben, let's take a look at the usuals. How did the SDI fare for the week? Well, it looks like the SDI is the odd man out this week. Um, so we clocked in a decline of 0.47% for the week, while most of the Asian markets were up. Um, but that said, the US and European stock markets were mostly down, um, driven by the uh, further 25 basis point high in the Fed funds rate. And again, as you had mentioned just now, growing concern, uh, again, about the health of the US banking sector. Um, if we look at today's uh, stock performance, the three local banks are actually down today. Uh, and since the local banks hold quite a significant weight in the STI mm. index, so not really surprising that the STI index on the whole for the week is being dragged down. Did you manage to use a DJ bank just now? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I had some trouble with that, uh, but uh, thankfully it's all sorted now. Um, Benjamin, looking at some of the biggest uh, movers for today, uh, surprises-wise, uh, what do you think of Great Eastern and its 22% uh, on your drop in weighted new sales for the first uh, fiscal quarter? Mm. Well, it looks like the um, weighted new sales decline was, was mainly driven by drop in single premium plans. Uh, I think this really makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, because it's actually quite hard to put down a lot of money up front for an insurance or annuity plan, given the ongoing economic uh, uncertainty as well as relatively high inflation. Um, but going forward, I think this is uh, more or less a one-off. Uh, so single premium plans are actually quite popular in Singapore. So I do expect them to uh, come back uh, closer to the end of the year once we get the recession out of the way. Mm, and zooming in on some of the companies to watch, or rather REITs to watch, Ben, 
OUE Commercial REIT reporting there this 18% increase in net property income to $56 million for Q1 2023. Now, DPU up some 11%, 11.3% for another REIT, Ames APAC REIT, uh, for the second half of the year ended much. What does these performances say about the commercial real estate segment? How sustainable is this momentum, though? Well, uh, there is some expectation that uh, despite the GSD high earlier this year, as well as slowing uh, global growth, mm. um, the occupancy rates as well as rents for single retail malls could actually rise uh, because, of, because of a couple of reasons. So you have got one, you have uh, resident household income. Two, we still have a relatively low unemployment rate. Three, uh, rising tourism. Right? So we still expect the hordes of tourists from uh, mainland China. And uh, number four would be limited new retail supply between now as well as 2025. So an average of about 540,000 square foot of new retail supply is expected to be added each year until the end of 2025. Uh, If we look backwards, this actually implies an annual growth rate of about 0.8%. Now, if we were to compare the annual growth rate in retail supply between 2009 and 2019, that was 2%. So as you can see, uh, based on, or rather compared to historical norms, the upcoming addition in retail space for the next few years is going to be muted. Um, so now that, it does look like we do have structural factors that will support the momentum in commercial real estate in the coming cycle. All right, uh, Benjamin, on the flip side, uh, real estate management services provider mm. LHN. Now, they issued a profit warning yesterday, expecting net profit before tax of at least $19 million for the first half of its financial year. That represents a 47% year-on-year decline. Should we be concerned about this? Um, I think it's an important data point, but uh, probably we shouldn't read too much into it. Uh, if we look at LHN's market cap, that's about $110 million. So it's uh, rather smallish. Mm. Uh, it is quite normal for small to medium companies to have mm. uh, greater volatility in the business performance. Okay. So can't really say whether this is an outlier or harbinger of the future. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as you know, yeah. the recession in the U.S. has not been cancelled nor yeah. rescheduled. Mm. So, so, yes, the gig is still on. So uh, things may get worse for small caps before getting better. Mm, If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Benjamin Goh, Head of Research and Investor Education at SIAS. Ben, talking about fears of a recession and uh, inflation situation, high interest rates in the US, things are not over yet. So uh, let's put our attention on the global banking sector. Quite a number Mm -hmm. of developments there. HSBC facing a vote by shareholders over a proposal by Ping An to split its Asia business and group consider selling a stick in its virtual banking unit in Hong Kong. Which one stood up to you so far? Uh, well, we could talk about both. So let's uh, let's talk about HSBC first. So mm. you have got this ongoing tension between HSBC and its uh, major shareholder, Ping An. It's been going on for some time. Uh, if we were to look at HSBC's uh, full-year results for 2022, uh, 55% of his revenue as well as 60% of his uh, adjusted pre-tax profit was generated out of Asia. Mm. So it does actually make quite a lot of sense for his Asian business to be spun out. Um, but there is also a compelling argument that a bank needs to be bigger to be able to compete better. Mm. Um, 
And, um, you know, perhaps the issue is more cultural in nature. So having a Chinese chief exec could actually placate some of the more vocal voices for a split. You know, just saying, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, coming back to ANTS, so the issue of science also applies with N Group, right? The yeah. cost structure of a virtual bank could actually be quite low relative to a brick and mortar bank. Mm. Uh, but um, for if we're talking about a higher margin businesses in a bank such as wealth management or investment banking, uh, you, you really do need a sexy office address. Right, so mm. virtual banks can't really get into that. Okay. Uh, so far, there is no news of who a potential partner could be, but I think it's going to be quite interesting uh, because depending on who and group chooses as a partner, that would actually inform uh, their strategy going forward. Now, uh, you talked about bigger being better in terms of banks, mm. right? I want to take us to the US to look at their regional banking sector. Now, more notably, shares of PacWest plunged 50.6% in the previous session. The bank confirming an earlier Reuters report that it was exploring strategic options, including a potential sale or capital raise. Now, question is, is this or is now a good time for large banks, the likes of JP Morgan, to buy up regional banks with, for instance, we talk about First Republic Bank with very niche customer bases, mm. you know, for them to buy these companies that otherwise during normal times, during so-called peace times, they are not able to buy due to various reasons? Um, okay, so I think the big banks are probably wary of biting off too much. Mm. Um, so yes, yeah, they, they can definitely gain market share by buying up the regional and smaller banks. But uh, as you have pointed out, the potential clients that come with the acquisition may be niche or they might be non-core businesses or perhaps uh, businesses which do not generate sufficient return on investment for the big banks. Um, now, and another consideration is that the balance sheet of a financial institution is typically quite messy. That's, that's yeah. part of the cost. Yeah. So there could be of balance sheet items, contingent liabilities, derivative securities, uh, so on and so forth. So, so if you take that messy balance sheet and then you throw in the speed in which a deal needs to be done in order to rescue an ailing bank, you know, that typically is not enough time to do a comprehensive due, due diligence. Mm. So, um, you know, yes, it could be a great sink wall sale, but the flip side is that shotgun marriages can be challenging. Wow, okay. And uh, let's wrap up the conversation, Ben, by talking about something more lighthearted. I wanted to say put on our dancing shoes, but instead let's put on our running shoes. Uh, Adidas reported better than expected first quarter numbers. Sales were down 1% on year, but this still better than what analysts had expected. They expected a 4% drop. So how did Adidas fare given that it just ended this lucrative easy business last year? Okay, so the good news is that the company pulled in 5.3 billion euros in sales for the first quarter. Uh, mm-hmm. As you had mentioned, not as bad as uh, analysts uh, had feared. Uh, the business was stronger in South America, some parts of Asia. Uh, there was also high demand for its classic Samba, Gazelle and Campus sneakers, mm-hmm. uh, all of which I personally have no experience in. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bad news, the bad news is that uh, Adidas has a boatload of unsold easy sneakers. Now yeah. this is uh, somewhere in the region of 1.2 billion euros. Now that's a lot. So the company needs to figure out what it wants, uh, you know, how it wants to resolve this. 
Um, but this $1.2 billion is just a tip of the iceberg. So if you were to zoom out, the company itself has a total of 5.7 billion euros of unsold inventory. So it's not just a key brand, but others okay. as well. And so Adidas, um, probably, you know, if you want to sell something, you need to make it cheaper. So they are probably going to have to mark down more to uh, move the needle here to significantly reduce the inventory pile. So I don't think 2023 is going to be a good year for Adidas, but um, 2024, they're probably going to be well positioned once they get rid of all the unsold inventory. Mm, let's hope that 2023 will be a good year for us customers as we head to all the factory outlets. Uh, thanks a lot, Ben. <laughs> that, that was Benjamin Go, Head of Research and Investor Education at SIAS, and I hope you put on your running shoes after this too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.